Charles didn't have just any coronary artery disease. He had Charles's coronary artery disease. Michelle didn't have just any heart attack. She had Michelle's heart attack. At VCU Health Poly Heart Center, we know every heart is unique. And as Virginia's only nationally ranked heart program, we'll keep them beating healthy and strong. VCU Health Poly Heart Center. Learn more at vcuhealth.org slash heart. You're listening to Noncompliant America with J.D. Rucker. The show starts... Now. So there's a study that was just released from Rasmussen, a poll, I should say, the results of a poll that, uh, quite frankly, shocked me. I was expecting this to happen eventually. I didn't expect it to happen here now, the last week of July, it's, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed that 57% of American parents want schools to reopen this fall, and a mere 32% are not wanting schools to reopen this fall. Again, impressed. Love it. I, you know, I underestimated Americans. I thought I, if you would have asked me what the percentages would be, I'd say somewhere around 40-40, you know, maybe even 40-45 with, with still a plurality of parents wanting schools to stay closed. The fact that 57% want them to open, awesome, okay? Great news. It tells us, number one, that the propaganda isn't working as well as they think and hope it would, okay? The fear-mongering coming from mainstream media, the selective reporting, the the torturing of the numbers to make it them say what they want it to say, that's not, not affecting us as much. Number two, it tells us that... Uh, that people are starting to learn their own uh, realities, understand the truth. They realize that 99.96% of known cases, not just not just uh, in total infections, which is much higher, but just known cases of people under the age of 45, 99.96% survival rate. That's awesome. Okay, it is. That's great. That <laughs> unambiguously good news. That tells us that what we thought was a major, major, major killer just a few months ago really isn't. It's still dangerous. I'm not trying to downplay the, the dangers of coronavirus. What I'm saying is that it's not nearly as dangerous as they told us. And number three, it does tell us that people are ready. Whether they're scared or not, they are, at least some of them, are overcoming that fear, realizing that, you know what, the world is dangerous, life is dangerous, and uh, we are certain to be doomed if we don't get our kids back to school, if we don't open up the economy. And thankfully, with that combined with knowledge that children appear to be less affected by the coronavirus than adults, and especially less than young than, than older adults. You know, children get infected less often. They spread the disease less readily. They show symptoms. If they do get infected, they show symptoms less often and their death rate is minuscule, almost non-existent. I, I don't want to downplay any death. I hate talking about, reading about, learning about when children die. I don't care if it's coronavirus or car accident or anything. You know, I don't like children dying. And I'm not saying that anybody does, you know, except for, for sickos. But 
it really does just, you know, I've had four kids and, uh, I have a young one. No, don't, I don't want to go down an emotional road. Let's change gears real quick. I do want to explain there's two major, major takeaways from this poll. Two things that we need to act upon, not just, not just, oh, hmm, good information. Uh, we need to take action on two fronts. But before I get into that, I want to do a quick shout out to the Freedom First Network, freedomfirstnetwork.com. We just launched it and it's awesome. You know, I'm not patting myself on the back too much when I say I love it. Yes, I'm a co-founder. <laughs> so, but it has blown me away with the level of quality content, conservative, patriot, uh, freedom-loving, liberty-loving Americans should be going to freedomfirstnetwork.com, following us on Facebook, our YouTube channel, all of the podcasts. You know, we have over a dozen now. We have several on, on the way. Mindy Robinson, Jerry Wayne, Trevor Loudon, all confirmed, all ready to go. We already have uh, two Mikes, Colonel Mike, um, Michael Schur. We've got um, we've got Bob and Eric. They uh, their third show is coming out tomorrow. They do a weekly show every Saturday at at twelve noon Eastern time. Uh, they do it live on Periscope and Facebook, and we take the podcast. We put it up on Freedom First Network. Put it up on YouTube. This is a a great network. And it's going to continue to grow. And, and I'm very blessed to be a part of it. Uh, and we do strongly encourage those. Uh, check it out. You know, yes, it can. If you're a podcast listener, and obviously if you're listening to this, you are. But if you're a podcast listener, okay, so it's it can get annoying to have to subscribe to 14 different shows. But check them out. Listen to John Hinton. Listen to Jeff Dornick. Listen to these guys. They know what they're talking about. Pick and choose. Pick the ones you like. Which brings me to the second quick shout out. You know, I've, I have had a couple of people ask me, they say, well, it's actually been more than a couple. <laughs> okay, so so a lot of people are complaining um, on email, on Twitter. They're they're hitting me up. They're saying, you know what? I, I subscribe to your podcast and I see that you're posting another podcast under a different name. Uh, folks, I'm, I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit that, yes, I am involved with six or seven podcasts right now. And I'll explain why. The, the two main ones, I've got Knock Report and OQ Report podcast. That's the big one. I do that five, six days a week. Okay. Um, I have the Rucker Report, which is my namesake podcast, which I'm still not sure exactly what I'm going to do with it. We put out, you know, a couple dozen podcasts so far. I'm still still playing with it. You know, I don't want to just it to be a you know, knock report light. I don't want to just have it be a shorter version of knock report. So, so we're playing with it. But then I've got these others. We have freedom discourse with just one-on-one -on -one interviews. We have this podcast, non-compliant America podcast, talking about what should we do as Americans? How do we push back? We've got the conservative playbook discussing how to win elections, how to push policy proposals, how to make America more conservative. Okay. Um, unfortunately, I think I've got others and I'm not remembering uh, conservative news briefs. Just a brief look at the conservative news of the day. Yeah, we've got these podcasts, right, that I'm involved with. And people say, what, what are you doing? Why don't you just consolidate? We will. I will. Okay. Right now, we are, I'm putting out these podcasts because we do expect people to join the network, people who to want to start podcasting, to start 
doing their own thing or to maybe even move their own shows over to us. We're, we're ready. We want to talk about, we want to talk to you. If you're one of those people, you always wanted to have a podcast. You didn't know how to do it. If you're conservative, talk to me, reach out to us. There's a contact button at freedomfirstnetwork.com. We want more shows. And one of the reasons that I'm doing these shows now is to get them started because I do expect that as we grow, there will be people that'll come along, people who can take over these shows. I would love for non-compliant America to not be J.D. Rucker giving his opinions on what we should do to fight back. I'd love to get, for example, a lawyer, you know, an activist, somebody who's actually out there, you know, going, traveling the country, you know, doing their thing, pushing back, showing people how to stop complying with draconian mandates, how to stay focused on, on the Constitution. I'd love to, you know, an actual, say, conservative or Republican uh, strategist to take over the conservative playbook. I'm doing them for now to as essentially as placeholders. So subscribe to them and hopefully soon you'll have somebody much smarter, um, much more interesting than I am. <laughs> and I can just focus on knock report and rucker report. So that's my shout out freedomfirstnetwork.com. Reach out to us, subscribe to all the channels. There's, there's over a dozen. There's going to be more coming and, uh, and check us out. Apple five-star reviews, Apple five-star reviews. Gotta, gotta push those. Back to the schools. 57% of Americans, of American parents, want schools to reopen, only 32% do not. Of those 32%, I would say that at least, you know, we'll call it, uh, we'll say 30% of those are, they don't want schools to open for political reasons. They know this is a, an election year. They know that the longer schools stay closed, the harder it's going to be for President Trump to get elected. The schools staying closed benefits Democrats. So if we say 30% are Wanting to keep schools closed for political reasons, that puts us at still uh, 23% or so of of uh, parents you know, legitimately just fearful and wanting to keep the schools closed. So somewhere between one-fourth and one-third of American parents do not want schools to reopen this fall. What does that mean? Does that mean that the fear-mongering is working? Yes, I think so. And uh, does it mean that that you know, perhaps people are they're unwilling to acknowledge the economic effects that this is having on our country? I don't want to call people selfish, but but you know it, perhaps they're just fine. They don't they don't have a job that requires them to have daycare or. That requires them to send their kids to school to make it easier for them to go to work. Maybe they don't need to work. Maybe maybe they don't. Maybe they're on government assistance. I don't know. I don't know what what these people are thinking. But perhaps it's time. And this is where I get to the takeaway aspect. Perhaps it's time for us to start really pushing this narrative back at them. When we talk about non-compliance here, a lot of times, you know, I would say 80, 90% of the time, we're talking about non-compliance with government, with government overreach. We want to push back against big government. We want limited government. But there's still, there, there are still other things that require our non-compliance. We push back against the media, for example, very often. But on a rare occasion, it becomes time to push back against our fellow citizens. And those who are out there, who are, whether they're buying into the fear-mongering, 
or they're concerned about their individual situation to the point that they would want, you know, let me, let me be very clear. Nobody is going to be forced. If you reopen schools, nobody's going to be forced to send their kids to school. Nobody. No parent is going to be told, you know, if you don't send your kid to school during this coronavirus pandemic, that there's going to be repercussions. Okay. People will have the option. In many cases, there's going to be ways for parents and their children to enjoy teleschool of some form, online learning. Or maybe they don't. The bottom line is, is that not reopening schools does not have to, or I'm sorry, reopening schools does not have to affect everybody. If you're still fearful, you don't have to send your kids to school. But you shouldn't have your fears affect those of us who do want to send our kids to school. This message needs to get out to them. We need to push back on them. And again, I hate calling people selfish because I think there's a there's a fine line between selfishness and individualism. And we are proponents of individualism. We are proponents of taking personal responsibility, of self-reliance, of self-governance. So to say, well, you must do this, you know, that's not what we're saying. But if they're if their reasoning for not wanting schools to open is so that you know they plan to keep their kids home so they want other parents to be forced to keep their kids home maybe they don't want their kid to fall behind they want all kids to fall behind equally you know as silly as that may sound you know uh, up front it's probably very true this this is probably in the minds of many of the people who want schools to close is that look I don't want my kid falling behind and other kids, you know, getting ahead. So if my kid is going to fall behind because I'm not going to send him or her to school, then your kid has to fall behind as well. We need equally, we need to have all kids equally falling behind. Because if they're all falling behind, then then they're not falling behind anybody in particular, just a, a arbitrary timeline. And that's okay to some parents, but it shouldn't be. And we need to call them out for it. We need to continue to call out media. We need to continue to push the facts. The facts that the coronavirus isn't a tremendous killer. I don't like it when any, any kids die, period. I don't think anyone other than sickos does like it when, when kids die. But we have to look at this from a, from a reality and fact-based perspective. Kids are going to die no matter what, whether it's coronavirus, car accidents, other diseases, meteors, okay? Life is dangerous. The world is dangerous. It's not made for, for eternal life, at least not yet. So, when we look at, when we make wholesale decisions on behalf of the nation, on behalf of, of parents, on behalf of all citizens, on behalf of the children, we have to look at this from a fact-based perspective. And that means making sure that, are there risks? Yes. Are there risks? dangerous, high enough for us to completely shut it down? Absolutely not. We need to fight this narrative tremendously. Takeaway number two, and this is the important one. Now that we are armed with this knowledge that 57% of
of American parents want to open up schools in the fall. We know that we're in the majority, and we now should, and, and I know a lot of you out there, I have been participating in trying to get the schools reopened. I know a lot of you have been. But now we have, we have a data point that is factual. We have a data point that, is, that tells us we're in the majority, okay? We're in a, a very strong majority. We're talking about a 25% difference between those who, who want the schools to open and those who do not. So with a 25% difference, that tells us that we need to let them know, our representatives in local, city, state, and federal government, letting our school boards know, because I think a lot of times this, the ideal situation this comes down to the school board. So we need to make sure, hopefully, we don't know if that's actually going to be the case. I think, you know, depending on what state you're in, there's a very good chance that you're, you're uh, a, uh, your little mini tyrant governor, such as my, my governor, Gavin Newsom, they will overrule and whatever school boards want to try to decide. But let's, let's uh, hope that, that uh, let's play along with the idea that school boards will have to make decisions. They need to know what parents want. They need to know that we are not as scared as we were. I think when 57% of, of Americans, uh, American parents, are saying they want schools open, I don't think that that's just 57% who are no longer scared or who are thinking that this was all a big scam or who, I think it's 57% who are saying, you know, at least a good chunk of those people are saying, yeah, I'm still a little scared, but I'm more scared of what happens if we don't reopen. I'm more scared of, you know, I'm more scared what happens if my kid doesn't get an education? What if they're stuck at home? What if this, these lockdowns continue? The mask wearing continues. Is this the new normal that I want my kid to grow up in? A lot of parents are saying no. They might still fear the coronavirus, but they still want to take a chance, to take a shot at having, at securing our future. Because if we stay in perpetual coronavirus fear, we don't have a future. Will we die of coronavirus less? Maybe, maybe not. That's actually debatable. Okay, that's debatable. But will we definitely die as a nation? Die as individuals? Die as, as communities, cities? If we don't reopen? If it's sustained long enough, we can't survive as a nation. If the coronavirus fear and panic and lockdowns continue long enough, there will be no chance of recovery. I don't care if it's President Trump, Joe Biden, whoever. I don't care if we're a strong capitalistic uh, constitutional republic or a socialist dictatorship, you know, uh, neo-Marxist, anarcho-communist. I don't care. Nothing can come back from, can bring us back from what this country will become if we continuously perpetuate the lockdown. So I think a lot of parents still fearful, but willing to try, willing to take a shot, especially when we consider the percentages. When we look at the facts, they realize that, yes, there are, there will be children who die as a result of the coronavirus, but it's a much lower chance than what we thought four or five, six months ago. Anyway, we need to let the representatives know. This is the big takeaway. Let representatives know that we know. Let representatives know that we are a majority. Let your representatives know at all levels, 
school board members all the way up to, to the White House, all the way up to senators and congressmen. Let them know that we want schools to reopen. And if they oppose schools reopening, we oppose them. We oppose the re-election. This, this needs to become an election issue. And I know that not all elected officials are up for re-election in 2020. We need to let them know that they will not be forgotten. If they oppose opening up schools this fall, then they are opposing science. They are opposing the will of the people. They are opposing common sense, and they do not deserve to be representing us anymore. And we will fight them. I don't care if they're up for re-election in 2024. Okay, if that's their next next election, then we're going to remember. We have to tell them that. We have to. Send them emails. Send them tweets. Send them faxes. Call the office. Go to the office. Let them know. Reopen the darn schools. Let's stop living in fear. I'm J.D. Rucker. Thank you guys for listening. Sorry, I got emotional there at the end. Not emotional like I wasn't tearing up or anything. <laughs> emotional like, uh, like, uh, take it down a notch, brother. You're, you're getting, you're going to, um, next few words out of your mouth is going to be, storm the Capitol! Take prisoners. No, no, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. That's what we're trying to avoid. It may come to that someday, <laughs> but not yet. Not now. Just, just write a, a uh, firm email. Make a firm call, which you'll probably end up leaving a message on a machine, but, but they still do listen sometimes. Most of them, some of them. Yeah, let's keep it, let's keep it peaceful as long as we can. Anyway, I'm JD Rucker. This is me. The uh, Non-Compliant America Podcast. And you guys, as you're waiting for the next one, I know this was an exciting one, and more are coming as you're waiting for the next one. Be sure to stay strong, stay safe, and God bless. I like to cook on the Big Green Egg. Why? It's impressive and everything turns out great on the Big Green Egg. If you don't have one, you got to go to Wasi's Meat Market and get a Big Green Egg. They have the lowest prices in the country. They also have all the accessories. They even have a classroom set up to teach you all the basic techniques on the Big Green Egg and advanced techniques on the Big Green Egg. When you get the Big Green Egg from Wasi's Meat Market, there's a lifetime guarantee. So check them out. It's Wasi's Meat Market. Check them out on Instagram or just go to their website, Wasi's Meat Market in Melbourne on Wickham Road. It's Wassie's Meat Market. Charles didn't have just any coronary artery disease. He had Charles's coronary artery disease. Michelle didn't have just any heart attack. She had Michelle's heart attack. At VCU Health Poly Heart Center, we know every heart is unique. And as Virginia's only nationally ranked heart program, we'll keep them beating healthy and strong. VCU Health Poly Heart Center. Learn more at vcuhealth.org slash heart.